So we are going to um, talk tonight. Um, we are in session number 11. And this means that next week we will wrap up this um, study that we have done on 12 women of the Bible. And so uh, tonight we are going to be talking about the woman at the well. And um, I think that there's something in her story for each and every one of us. Um, we don't know a lot about her, but we know enough. Um, and what we do know about her is definitely um, encouraging to us and we can see Jesus in his ministry to her, and it will definitely show us how we can minister to others. So, um, to kind of introduce the scenario tonight and what we're going to be talking about, um, in one sense, the encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well is not all that unique. It seems like a familiar situation to us because it's an encounter that has been repeated again and again throughout the ages. We meet a woman whose life is in shambles, fragmented and broken by sin. Does anybody, can anybody testify that I was there? My life was in shambles. I was broken. There was sin, brokenness. And her life was a real mess. There was a lot happening in her life, and it wasn't good. While drawing water from the local well, she meets the Messiah. They talk, she asks questions, and something wonderful happens. Her eyes are open to the truth, her heart is touched by the love of Jesus, and she is transformed by his power. A whole new life begins for her. In John chapter 4, we witness the change. A woman whose life was a profound mess, an outcast in her community, becomes the bearer of a life-giving message to the very people that she had been avoiding. Her mess became her message when she met Jesus. What God did in and through this woman 2,000 years ago can become the anthem for our lives as well. Romans 5 and 8 tells us, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knows our mess. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our wrong attitudes. He is aware of our sin, yet he still loves us and he still wants to fill us and use us for his glory. As we prepare for this study tonight, I want us to be open and ready for God to speak to our hearts because God just might tug at your heart tonight in a new, fresh way. He just might have something for each and every one of us in this place, no matter how our, our situation might look, no matter how bleak it looks, no matter what's going on in our lives and our families, he can meet us right where we're at 
and he can touch us and he is all the difference. He makes all the difference. Amen. Okay. So our gal tonight, the woman at the well, this is kind of a unique story because I cannot tell you her name. She remains nameless in scripture. And we simply know that she was a Samaritan woman and that she went to the well to gather her water and had a special encounter with Jesus. But this amazing lady who we meet in the fourth chapter of John's gospel teaches us an incredible lesson. Three things about her that are very, very important for us to remember. And we talked a little bit about some of this in lessons past, but I want to touch on it again because it gives us so much context and it makes this story all the better. So three things for us to remember about her. First, she was a woman. It was the woman at the well, right? Remember that this was not the United States of America in 2023, in her world and in her time, this was one strike against her simply because she was a woman. Women were not trusted. They were not invited into religious discussion. They were not spoken to in public by rabbis. Rabbis were the Jewish teachers of that time and Jesus was considered a great rabbi and a great teacher. And so he was not supposed to speak to her in public. In addition to being a woman, she was also, she wasn't just a woman, but she was a Samaritan woman. So in addition to being a woman, she was a Samaritan. So that's strike two against her. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans because they had intermarried with nations around them so they weren't pure-blooded enough to be considered true Jews. They were inbreds, whatever you know, derogatory term you can think to put on that. It was a cultural issue in that time. The Samaritans were looked down on like dogs, all right? The Jews looked down on them. And finally, this Samaritan woman had a sinful past and her present circumstances were quite questionable as well. Strike three against our gal tonight. We learned that she had been married and divorced five times. And she was now living with a man who was not her husband. And again, this is not only against the word of God, and we kind of gasp, oh, how could she? But in that culture and in that day and time, it was a no-no. You did not divorce and remarry five times, and you're not living with someone who is not your husband. So she's got three major strikes against her. I would say that two of those if you take note, two of those, she couldn't help. It was how she was born. She was born a woman and she was born a Samaritan. And there was absolutely nothing that she could do about that. But the third one, 
came out of her own choices, her own decisions, her own mistakes, her own way of life. The lesson in this tonight is it doesn't matter how we were born, where we come from, what our background is, Jesus can set it right. He can use us. And it doesn't matter what choices we have made and what path we have taken, what mistakes we have made and what sins we have committed, Jesus can make it right. So as we read the story even more closely tonight, we're going to find more details about this woman. For instance, there's a good chance that she was poor. Those who had money usually would send someone else to draw their water for them. But she went herself to draw from the well. She obviously couldn't afford to pay someone else. In addition, the time of her arrival at the well that day suggests to us that she was probably a social outcast. She was avoiding people. Nobody went to the well in the heat of the day. It was much too hot. They would go early in the morning and late in the evening. And here we find our gal in the heat of the day coming to the well likely to avoid the stares and the gossip and the accusations from the other women in her town. Surprisingly, we also discover that the woman in this story had a very sharp mind and she was open to talk about spiritual matters. Though she did not fully understand everything Jesus said to her, she was hungry to learn and had obviously spent some time thinking about her religious beliefs. She could hold down a pretty good theological conversation. Her encounter with Jesus at the well completely transformed her understanding of God as she came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This encounter with Jesus not only changed this woman's life, but here's the coolest part about the story, is he didn't just change her, to give her a testimony, to just keep to herself. But she became an evangelist and she went and preached the gospel and won souls through her story. All right, we're gonna read a few scriptures here in John chapter four. We're gonna start at verse four and read through verse 15 together. Verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So that means it's like noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith, to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. 
From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So let's look here for a few moments at these scriptures and see how Jesus met her at the well that day. First of all, in the beginning part of this chapter, we see that Jesus was ministering and he was leaving Judea and going to Galilee, but he went out of his way and said, I have to go to Samaria. I have to go. And so they came to Samaria and Jesus sent his disciples away. Did you notice that? In verse 8, he was like, okay, you guys need to go. We have to wonder why Jesus sent them away to go buy food. Maybe he was really sending them to go get some food. But maybe he knew that he was going to encounter this woman and that they would not be happy about it. Because we're going to see here in a little bit that they weren't so happy. And so he, it was a, like Brother Hudson used to tell us, a divine appointment where he completely rearranges his schedule. He reroutes his whole journey and he sends people away that might be a hindrance and a distraction to what he's getting ready to do because he has an appointment with this woman at the well. And he is ready to meet her right where she's at, drawing her water right where she goes each and every day. He is going to meet her there. And not only did he meet her where she was at, but he also first discusses her need. The need for water. How simple and how basic is that? It was something that she could relate to, being thirsty, needing water. And oftentimes Jesus, when he has a conversation with somebody, he would have his words take on a deeper, more spiritual meaning. Yet the other person would still be thinking on their literal concrete level of thinking. And we see that happening in this interaction right here where Jesus and the woman at the well are using the same words and they're talking about water, but they're talking about very different things. Jesus met her where she was at the well and he related to, to her in a way that she could understand. Water, thirst, she can understand that. And so it is there that he uses the topic of water and thirst to connect her to spiritual thinking and to teach her that he has something to offer her. 
Jesus, I love how he teaches us and how he uses very practical principles to teach us spiritual things. So in verse 7, he says to her, will you give me a drink? And so he, these are the first words that Jesus speaks to this woman. He doesn't come to her and, you know, just start preaching at her. Oh, I know everything you've done. He doesn't come at her, but he just comes up and just kind of starts a conversation. And sometimes we can make winning a soul really difficult. We think that we have to come up and just start this profound theological discussion and pull out our Bible study charts and start teaching them right away. If you look at Jesus's methods, he always related to people. He always loved on them and met them exactly where they were at. And he just starts his conversation. Will you give me a drink? I see you've come to draw water. He didn't come to her with quick answers, convenient solutions, easy fixes. He didn't come at her with the scriptures, but he simply started a conversation. In verse 9, the woman answers him, and she immediately brings up, why are you talking to me? Because, first of all, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. And secondly, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a woman. And he's, she's pointing these things out to him. In verse 10, Jesus answers her and says, if you just knew who you were talking to, you'd give me a drink. And you'd be asking me to give you a drink. Again, the woman continues this exchange thinking that they're talking about the water that is found down deep in Jacob's well. And she says, I don't understand what's going on here. She was a smart woman. She's taking notice. She's observing. She says, um, how is it that you're here at the well, but you didn't even bring anything to draw out water with? Something is not adding up. He didn't bring anything to draw out water with because he was not there for the water. He was there for the woman. And she reminds him that the well is very deep. And I don't know how you think that you're going to draw water out. Are you greater than Jacob? How are you going to get this water? And Jesus answered her and he told her that he has a water to offer her, that she will never be thirsty again. And that if she would receive his water, that it would be like a well within her springing up into everlasting life, that it would never run dry. Aren't you thankful for the spirit of God that is within us, that well that is deep within us that we can pull from in the hard times of life, on the good days, on the bad days, we can draw from that well, the springs of living water. Aren't you grateful for that? We are blessed. We are blessed to have him, blessed to have his spirit, blessed to know him. And so um, we're going to read on a few more scriptures here. We're going to start at verse um, 16. And we're going to read through um, verse 42. Jesus saith unto her, go, call thy husband and come hither. Okay, 
Now he's going a little deeper. We're not just talking about water and drawing water. But now he begins to speak directly to her life and her situation and her condition. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. She didn't finish the rest of the story, but she wasn't lying. She didn't have a husband. And Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And what you said is true. Verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. In other words, you just read my mail. And I believe that you're speaking for the Lord. You're prophesying to me. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And verse 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto you, unto thee, and he. And upon this, uh-oh, here comes the good old boys. Upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with this woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talk thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the same true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So I don't know if you followed all that, but this was a really cool turn of events. So it appears here that in the, towards the beginning of this encounter that the woman at the well wants a quick and convenient answer to solve her temporary problems. And as she is in this back and forth exchange with Jesus, we see that she always has a rebuttal. She always has a comeback. She always has an answer. She's quick and her toes. She thinks quickly. And so this was a woman that was intelligent and could hold down a good conversation with a rabbi, with a teacher. And what she does here in verse, where is it? Um, verse 20, when she says, she's told him, okay, I think you're a prophet. And so she's almost quizzing him in this next verse. You say you're a prophet. I think you might be. Well, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She is trying to have a religious discussion with him based on teachings in that time. There were some Jews that taught that if you wanted to worship God, you had to go to Jerusalem to worship God. Jesus was bringing the gospel with him wherever he went. And he was teaching to the masses. And the religious leaders of that time didn't like that very much because they wanted people to come into the temple and take part in all of the religious sacrifices and, and giving and all of, all of their teachings. And so in this time, she is having an exchange with him and she's kind of putting a, a little tester out there like, well, maybe if I throw some doctrine at him, let's see what kind of response I get. Seems like he might be a prophet, but what is he going to say? And so he responds to her again, saying that he, he takes a spiritual principle and he begins to break it down for her. He doesn't avoid the conversation. He isn't afraid of it. He isn't offended by it. He responds to her and he says to her, believe me, the hour is coming when you're not going to worship just in this mountain and not even just in Jerusalem, but you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And that's what the father is looking for because God is a spirit and God is everywhere. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so then in verse 25, she's probably processing that one like, okay, that sounds like some really good teaching. I'm interested. And then she comes back and again says, I know that the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. And when he has come, he will tell us all things. 
If you can see in these verses right here in just this conversation, you can literally watch her mind change. You can watch the revelation come on and you can watch her go from a sad, lonely woman at the well at noonday, an outcast, to kind of in a back and forth, almost sarcastic way with him about water, to leaving the practical conversation to saying, okay, well, let's talk a little bit of religion and having a religious discussion with him to getting good answers from him in that discussion. The conversation continues and she realizes in verse 25 that he's the Messiah. Her eyes are open and she knows this man he just might be who we're looking for. And Jesus says to her, it's me. He confirms their conversation and he confirms her thoughts. And so one encounter with Jesus, we see a complete transformation in just a few verses. We see a woman who was broken and hurting. We see a woman who had some religious questions and we see a woman who then recognizes that he is the Messiah that has come to save her. As the woman turns away to go into the city, she leaves her water pot there. And the disciples show up and they're kind of wondering what's happening here. And then they try to get him to eat and he won't eat. And again, he uses that same that same way of teaching a spiritual principle by talking about practical things. I don't need this meat. The meat that I have, the sustenance that I have is to go and preach the gospel. And he talks to them about these fields. And he tells them, look up. Can't you see the fields? They're white and ready for harvest. I think sometimes we take these things for granted because I imagine that we hear that statement made in the church and we just we know that it's a spiritual principle but i have to wonder if the disciples weren't like what is he talking about again i don't see any white fields ready for harvest and again he's using the practical he's using things that they can understand and they can relate to to teach a very spiritual principle and he teaches them that they are going to gather and they are going to reap what others have sown. And he teaches them principles of sowing and reaping. While he is standing there having this conversation with his disciples, our girl is busy. She is busy, 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 busy. She has ran off into the city and she has told everyone that she can tell what has happened to her, that she encountered this man, that they had this incredible conversation, that he prophesied to her and told her everything she'd ever done wrong and that he knew her. It was like he could just see in my heart and he just knew me from the inside out and he transformed me and he promised me that I can worship him anywhere because God is a spirit and I don't have to go to Jerusalem. And he promised me that I can have an encounter with him. Even me, a woman, a Samaritan, 
having the, the background and the history that I have and living in the sin that I am living in, I can have Jesus. So as she goes off to testify of all these great things that he had told her and had done, the Samaritans came to him and they begged him to stay, stay and teach us. Let us, let us hear, let us experience what she has experienced. And he stayed with them two days. And it says that because of that, many more believed because not just her words, but because they were able to have an encounter with Jesus themselves. They were able to hear the word and hear the teaching. That is the call that is on each and every one of us. When we have that moment at the well with Jesus, when he transforms our life, when he saves us and does something incredible within us, we should go and tell. Not that we can save anybody. You do not have the answers within yourself for what everyone in your life out there needs. You don't have the answer within yourself, but you know the one who does. And that is what we are called to do, to testify of what God has done in our lives. Soul winning can be that simple. It can be sharing your story, telling someone about the goodness of God, sharing with someone what God has done in your life. Each one of us in here has a salvation story. Each one of us has a story just like this woman at the well where we were lost and he met us exactly where we were at and he found us and he saved us and he gave us a testimony and he gave us a story. I don't care if you've been raised in this all of your life, you still have a moment at the well with Jesus. You still had a moment when you encountered him. And if you think on that, I know you can think back to that moment. My moment was when I, I was kind of an older one. I don't know why all my friends like got it figured out much younger, but I was about 10 years old, raised in the church. When I remember laying in bed every night, listening for the trumpet, and thinking it could be tonight. Is that, is that the trumpet I hear? And the Bible says some will be saved by fear. That was me. I was scared to death and I did not want to miss the rapture. And I was about 10 years old and I got up in the late hours and I was supposed to be in bed asleep. And I went and got my mom and I said, I have to be baptized. I have to. And I remember having that Jesus moment where I needed I needed to encounter him. I needed salvation. And he met me right there as a 10-year-old girl. And I was baptized just a couple days later on a Sunday. And it took me a minute to get the Holy Ghost. But I got it. I was 11 years old when I received the Holy Ghost. And I can take you to the spot that I experienced that in the Lancaster Church. I can take you to the exact place that I received the Holy Ghost at 11 years old. I had my moment with Jesus. I had my encounter at my well. He met me exactly where I was at and he saved me. 
And each person in this room, if we pass this microphone around, we could all share our moment, our story about when he began tugging on our heart, when he began talking to us, when he began pulling on us and convicting us of sin and telling us that he didn't want us to stay exactly where he found us at that well, but he wanted to make a change in us. And unfortunately, so many times in the church, we have that encounter with Jesus at the well. And we simply pick up that water pot and we carry it right back to town with us and we go about our business. I am not sure why she left her pot at the well that day. The scripture doesn't necessarily say it, but I think it's important to note that it does point out that she left it. Verse 28, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the man, to the men, come see a man. I think she left it because she had a job to do. She had people to tell. She had souls to win. She had a testimony to go and share and nothing was going to encumber her. Nothing was going to slow her down. She left it and she took off running to go and tell whoever would listen to her. What a challenge that is for us because God does not want us to have this encounter and then simply pick up our pot and go slowly back to our daily routine and our life and act as if nothing ever happened. But he wants us to leave it and run and go and share it. And every single one of us can do that very thing. Every one of us has somebody in our lives that needs the Lord. And it can be as simple as saying, you know what God did for me? Let me tell you my story. You never know where that conversation is going to lead. And people are searching. People are searching. In this world that this, this time that we're living in right now, people are hungry and they are searching. Revival is breaking out. We're hearing about it. People are asking questions. People want to know. They, they want to experience something deeper in their walk with God. As pastor preached Sunday, people who believe God-fearing people are suddenly not satisfied and they want more. They want to go deeper. They want to experience more. And although we don't have the answer in and of ourselves, we know who does and we can lead them to all truth. We can lead them to a personal experience with him if we'll set down our water pot and we'll go and tell and talk about it with somebody. The water pot is whatever it is that distracts you and slows you down. Whatever excuse we might make. Because if you're carrying a water pot, you gotta walk kind of slowly. It's kind of cumbersome. You're being careful not to spill it all out. It's very calculated. 
to get all that water back to the village. But she said that day, I can't be slowed down. I can't let this stop me. I'm going to leave the water here and I'm going. I'm going to win souls. I'm going to reach the lost. I'm going to tell somebody. Our world is hungry. Jesus does not give them a quick fix. He doesn't give them shallow answers to life's problems, but Jesus gives answers that are eternal and lasting. He gives hope that nobody else can give. And we can lead people to that very experience and to the answers that they are looking for. As pastor preached on Sunday, there are people even that we might discount because we think, well, they know God or they already believe and they won't want to listen to me and my experience not true and don't ever let the enemy tell you that because the Samaritans knew God but she had a message that said oh you just haven't experienced what I've experienced you've got to come meet this man you've got to hear his teaching you've got to hear truth because the Lord is looking for those that will worship him in spirit we need the spirit and in truth. We need good doctrine. We need both. And we can lead people to that very thing. Pastor had a um, testimony today. People are hungry. Don't let the enemy tell you that they're not. People are hungry. And everywhere we go, every place we step our foot, there are hungry people all around us if we would just set down our water pot. And um, on, I, maybe it wasn't today. No, it was not because we did not have coffee out today. So it might have been a couple days ago. Um, get my story straight. Pastor had gone into Donkey Coffee. And there's an individual in there who we know very well, who we have built a friendship with for the last several years. And if you walked in and you saw this person, you just might discount them. And you just might say, I don't know if they'd want it. I don't know if they'd want to hear what I have to say. I don't know if they want this message. I will be honest and transparent that for about the first year that I knew this person, I didn't even think they were a Christian. I didn't even think they believed. And when I found out that they're a God-fearing individual and they go to church every single Sunday, I was a little shocked. So shame on me. But as pastor ordered his copy, this individual says to him every time he comes in, Pastor Blankenship, what's the word? What's the good word for today? And a lot of times pastor will just say, God is good or the sun is shining or, you know, something. And he felt prompted to go a little deeper. And he said, you know what? The good word is that God is stirring something. He is doing something in our country. He's doing something even it's going to be right here in this city. He's stirring hearts. He's bringing us to repentance. And he is calling believers to something deeper. He wants a move of his spirit. And when he said that, this man whipped around from the machine and said, what? 
And he said, a move of his spirit. He wants to pour out his spirit on everyone. And he said, really? I, I, I want to know more about that. Can you, can you talk to me? Can you keep me posted on this, what, what God is doing? I haven't heard. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? There's going to be a revival amongst believers. And so we say tonight, put down your water pots. We remind ourselves if God has done something for you, we cannot keep this to ourselves. We cannot hold it within us. We must go and share it. We must tell our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors, our coworkers. We must tell complete strangers that we encounter every day in the public who are hungry. If we would set down our distractions for just a minute, we would see that they're all around us. We're rubbing shoulders with them every day and they are in fact hungry. Amen. What an incredible testimony that Jesus treated this outcast woman with such kindness, such love, such patience. He engaged with her in conversation. What an example he is to us. She is not the only example to us in this story, but Jesus is the perfect example of how if we would just take a moment, maybe go out of our way, maybe mess up our schedule and all of our plans and allow for divine appointments and meet people outside of our faith who don't look like us, who don't smell like us, who don't act like us, who are maybe marginal on the outskirts of society. They're, they're outcast and society might look on them as just a nobody. But if we would treat them with love and kindness and patience, what could God do? How could he transform them? He is our example. Soul winning is not always convenient. In fact, it's hardly ever convenient. It requires us to maybe go out of our way a little. It requires us to give up some of our time, to sacrifice maybe even a little bit of our, our treasure, our money. We might have to really love people. And sometimes, you know, people are not easy to love. But God wants us to love them and he wants us to reach them. And I'm going to say the one thing that I think is lacking in this church. We've been doing all these updates and changes and Remodeling, and we've got lots more to come, as I said. But why can't I smell cigarette smoke and alcohol? Why can't the drunkard walk in that back door and experience it? We got to go get them and bring them in. Even the one that you least expect, the one that you've discounted in your mind and you least expect it, will whip around in the middle of a coffee shop and say, tell me more. I want to know. We got to get outside of ourselves and our own thinking and our schedules and our routine. And it was said tonight, our busyness. 
We've got to get outside of all that because I'm telling you, time is short. The fields are white and ready to harvest. And if we're not careful, we'll be too busy and distracted and we won't be able to see those white fields and we won't be able to get out there and labor in them and we'll be cumbered about by our water pot. But he's calling us to set it all down because we have work to do. We have a story to tell. We have souls to reach. We have the lost, the prodigals, the hurting, the broken, the believers who want more. The believers who are tired of religion and church as usual and they want a move of God in their life. They're out there. So we're challenging you and this seems to be the theme in this church lately and it seems to be the theme everywhere I go and everyone I talk to, this is the theme. Go and win souls. Go and reach. It's time. It's time for harvest. He is coming. Do we believe that? He is coming soon. What an incredible time we live in. Think about that. You could have been born into any time, into any period of history, and he placed you right here for an end time revival. How incredible is that? He's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Go and tell it. Go and reach somebody with a message of hope, with a message of salvation. So tonight as we close up, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to put this word deep in our spirits. He keeps speaking it to us on Sundays. He speaks it to us on Wednesdays. He speaks it to us in our prayer meetings. He's trying to tell us, go and tell, wake up, revive yourselves. You know, that's what revival is. It's for us. And we can't have harvest until we have revival, until we're awake and working and laboring. That's when the harvest comes, when the church is revived. So we're going to pray and ask God to reveal to us any places in our life that we've marginalized people, we've avoided people, that maybe we haven't had the courage to reach out to someone. Maybe we just checked someone off and said, no, they're not hungry. They don't want it. We're going to ask God to reveal these things to us tonight and to lead us to people who are hungry. Lord Jesus, we need you tonight, God. We feel the call. We feel the urgency. God, we feel the urgency in the atmosphere. We feel, God, that time is drawing to a close, Lord. We feel, Jesus, that souls are lost and dying and going to hell, God. Our hearts are broken for the prodigals who once walked with you, Lord, and have strayed away. God, our hearts are hurting for the lost who do not know you. And God, our hearts are burning within us for those who believe but desire more. For those who believe in you, Jesus, but maybe just need a greater revelation of truth and need an experience with your spirit and your power. Lord, forgive us, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, that we have done church as usual. Forgive us, God, for being religious, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for not going and reaching the lost. Forgive us, Lord, for not teaching a Bible study. Forgive us for not sharing our testimony with somebody, God. 
Forgive us for brushing shoulders day in and day out with lost souls that you love. And forgive us, Jesus, for not doing our part. Lord, lay some soul on our hearts tonight, God. Lay some soul on each one of us tonight, God, and direct us and guide us to that soul. Let us win that soul to you, Jesus. God, we confess, Lord, that sometimes we're distracted and sometimes we're carrying a weight, a water pot, Lord, that's too heavy. And sometimes we just fail to have the conversations and share the testimony, Lord. And God, we confess that to you tonight. Forgive us, Jesus, for our complacency. Forgive us, Jesus, and place within us a burden so strong that it wrecks our schedules. Place within us, God, a burden for the lost and the prodigals, God, a burden for those who are seeking and are hungry. Place within us a burden that is so strong that it just wrecks our routines, Lord. God, we just submit it all to you. We give you our time. We give you our talents. We give you our treasures, Lord. Forgive us, Jesus, and place the burden on us so strong that we lose sleep at night praying for people, God, that we lose sleep seeking your face, God. Call us in the midnight hour. Lord, if you can't get our attention in the day, then wake us up in the night and speak to our hearts, Lord. God, forgive us for our busyness, Lord. Forgive us for making things of this life more important than your work and your kingdom, Jesus. Oh, God, use us and anoint us, God. We partner with you to take a message of hope, a message of salvation for those who are seeking and searching, God. Let the burden be so heavy that we can't bear it, God. Let the burden be so heavy on us, God, that we must need go to Samaria. Let us not desire after the things of this world, but let us desire for what is eternal. Let us desire for lost souls, Jesus. Jesus, God, we need you, Lord. Can you just lay hands on someone next to you? I feel a sweet presence of God here as he is encouraging us, as he is calling us to a deeper level of commitment. Jesus, we commit ourselves to you tonight, God. We make a fresh commitment, Lord. We renew our commitment, Lord. You saved us, Jesus. You saved us, Lord, and we desire not to stay as we are, Lord, but we want to go and we want to win souls. We want to be changed. We want to be more like you, God. We increase our commitment to you and our devotion, Lord. Oh, Jesus, help every woman in this room tonight, God. Help the Lord to go deeper than ever before, Jesus. Oh, in 